not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm gonna take a bit of a different angle. You know, I've got a budget this big. I'm gonna give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan. You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? <laughs> I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Uh, Be break. Cheers. 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 Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Insurance Point Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Reed, and as always, I am joined by my colleagues, Steve Earl, CEO of Cheap Insurance. <laughs> <laughs> been practicing that for weeks. <laughs> Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance. Not quite as cool, but hey. <laughs> Adam Mitchell, CEO of Mitch Insurance. Hey, everyone. Hey. And today we're very pleased to be joined by Matthew Turak, CEO of CAA. Welcome, Matthew. Great to be here. Thanks, everyone. All right. Awesome. So we are going to, uh, first I'll do a quick shout out to uh, IFS Premium Finance, our sponsor, as well as the Excalibur Read to Ride program, our charity sponsor. And speaking of Read to Ride, Jeff, do you want to start with our rapid fire on Matthew? Uh, we're going to get things rocking here. Uh, I know many brokers know of CAA and many brokers that don't have them, they all want CAA. So we're going to get you, uh, get, we're going to introduce you to Matthew and get to know him a bit, him a bit better. Matthew, uh, who's your favorite singer or band of all time? It's got to be Canadian. So I'm not, I'll fully admit that I'm not the massive, huge music guru here. Um, so you know, I'll leave it with Brian Adams. Brian Adams is great. Uh, who's your favorite sports team? Oh, Toronto Maple Leafs by far. 100%. Now, everybody saw, like, again, we're recording this. The Leafs came back from being down 4-1, and they came back from being down 4-2. Two things that have never happened in Leaf history. Our question, Matthew, are the Leafs going to put Tampa out, or are they going to lose? No, I would say that we're putting them out of the first round. Uh, don't know which game, but we're putting them out of the first round. And the Leafs will break their streak and go to the second round. And you will notice, uh, if you go back to our podcast, I did predict the Leafs will get past the first round this year. After that, who knows, right? But uh, anyway, when you're not busy running CA, Matthew, tell us, tell our listeners, what do you do for fun or in your spare time? Well, right now I'm taking my MBA uh, through Queen's University, so I have no spare time because uh, that's evenings, weekends, and every spare minute. But uh, really, when, I, when I'm not spending the time with my family and kids, I have two Two daughters that are teenage girls now. A um, whole bunch of stories there. Uh, but outside of that, uh, hockey and golf. I love, I love to play hockey and golf, and so I try and get out as much as I can. Try and try and live up to try and beat Adam on a drive, which is not happening. If you do beat him, he ends up hitting you in the back of the head with a ball, right, Adam? So- I mean, I said four. Now, if you're doing your MBA, Matthew, you probably don't have time to read anything right now. So I'm going to ask you, besides textbooks, I'm going to ask you if, if there's any book you're currently reading, if you have time, or tell us what's the latest uh, iPhone app or app you loaded on your phone. Um, the latest iPhone app that I loaded was Maple Maple Wellness. So if you're a CA member, you get Maple included in your membership. So I loaded that on. 
the last question, when you're done your MBA, where are you going to travel with your family to celebrate uh, being done your MBA? Or if you have a trip planned, where do you want to go with your family? Uh, so when we're done, when I'm done, uh, which hopefully will be in December, uh, I would love to go to Italy. I've never been to Italy and I would love to actually visit Italy and take the family there. They're old enough that they're, they're now can appreciate it. And uh, it's just, I would love to see the culture there. Italy's amazing. Pass over to you, Tom. Let's talk about CAA. So um, maybe you can just give us the, it's, you know, timely given you're doing your MBA. Why don't you give us the uh, high level perspective on CAA's business strategy? Yeah. So CAA, I mean, not many people know CAA's parent is, is a non-for-profit club. So everyone, you know, the membership organization that's been around since 1903 uh, advocating for roads, helping put first street signs and, and build the first roads for motorists um, is really the foundation of where CA comes from. And there's uh, mo- there's clubs in every province. In some provinces, there's three different clubs, but we do a, a great job, one of the best organizations, uh, at really saving people on the side of the road and coming to the emergency when people need us the most and, uh, and being there. And so, you know, we're known really well for being the tow truck company and everyone, you know, recognizes the CA tow truck and the heroes that come along with that. Um, and so, you know, then in the 60s, we started our travel company. Um, I, I, the company and the insurance companies I'm going to talk about are owned by what we call CA Club Group. And CA Club Group is used to be South Central Ontario and Manitoba. And so we merged together and we're called CA Club Group. And within CA Club Group, we have three insurance companies. So I'm responsible for three insurance companies. Tom called me the CEO, but I'm actually the group president. I have a boss that's the CEO, so I will respect my boss, Jay Wu, by clarifying that. <laughs> my, but my uh, bad. That's okay. The, um, and uh, the three insurance companies that I'm responsible for are CA Insurance, Echelon uh, Insurance Company, which is our specialty and commercial insurance company, and Orion, which is our travel insurance company. And Orion is better sold and known as CA Travel Insurance. And so we do business in multiple provinces. We work with the clubs across the provinces, across Canada. Commercial business we write across Canada um, through Echelon. And we have different specialty products in different places. And, and there are other clubs like AMA writes home and auto insurance and some commercial insurance in Alberta. BCA writes property insurance, travel insurance, and uh, sells our uh, does ICBC uh, auto insurance in BC, but they also sell Op- BCA optional auto in BC, which we partner on that. Are the other provinces on an equal timeline? So I know Ontario to when you started to roll out, I'm going to say a few years ago, but it's probably like six or seven now. Um, did they all go at the same time or were some earlier or later? Yeah, we're, we're the only club that really does the broker channel. Um, so the BCA does not have any uh, appointed brokers or partner brokers. AMA uh, does not as well as of yet. Uh, and so uh, we launched, as Adam said, we launched the partnership into the broker channel in 2016. What brought you to the correct conclusion in 2016 that the broker distribution is the coolest and hippest way to go? Yeah, it, I mean, so it definitely is the coolest and hippest. No, the uh, Steve, it was uh, being ready to do it. So one, you know, I came into the company in 2007. Jay came into the company in 2008. Uh, and together we, we, we looked at the strategy behind the company and looked at uh, the science that was underpinning our product and, and how we looked at approaching both underwriting, risk segmentation, but also systems and technology. And uh, the journey that we were on is to one, making sure the product, the pricing strategy, the system that uh, enabled it was there and ready for brokers, but that we grew into that slowly. And we also didn't 
do what other insurance companies had done, which is create a competing product. So we didn't want to have a direct product and a broker product that was different, that was different prices. We wanted to make sure that we could have equal opportunity for everyone in all channels to sell and distribute our product, to have customers engage in the product where it's all on the same equal playing field. It's, it's really about you guys and customer's choice. And so we, you know, when we went out to the broker channel, it's the same product. We don't have a different product in the direct channel, a different sales opportunity in the direct channel, different discounts. It's all the same for our brokers as it is for the direct channel. And we think that is how we make it about consumer choice and who can give you know, the right service, the right opportunity, who the consumer wants to buy with and, and who they want to get service with. And we can, we can back you guys by having an amazing product and an amazing experience for customers. Let's, let's unpack that one too. The, like why, so supposedly we're supposed to have to have factual numbers based pricing in our industry, uh, in this vertical. And supposedly all the insurance companies went quasi open books to the regulator to show either the same price or a varied price. And I think what allowed you to go into the market with the same product, the same pricing, uh, with two distribution channels is because the math stacked up to say, it's the same, uh, let the customer choose. Putting the flag out there that you would be likely guessing, um, but like what, you're a smart guy deep into this network more so than many listeners. What would you think is the reason or how did the opponents that didn't come out with uh, same pricing, same product, um, why? Like what holds them back from doing that or how can they even have the same math come out to a different answer? Well, I mean, I don't think it's the same math. That's part of the problem is that, um, you know, when you look at a traditional direct channel, you would have a call center, right? You would have a call center where what an insurance company would do is try and leverage scale and size to bring down expenses and bring down costs of that distribution. Um, we're, we're not that typical company. We never were. We have we do have a call center. Absolutely. We have one in Atlantic. We have one in, in Ontario. Uh, we have a call center, but we also have regional agents who sit in stores, who service customers, and we pay rent and we pay service. So we have this hybrid between a call center and you know a local agent. And when you bring the cost of having that together, um, that cost is actually very equivalent to what we have with our local brokers, right? And and our what we pay the broker agency. So we were able to prove to our regulators that the cost base for CA insurance, which was never, we were never a company who had an expense ratio of 24% or 23%. We were always, you know, just a little bit north of 30, 33, 34, 35%, which some can say is not efficient. I would say is actually appropriate in terms of the expense to, to uh, premium weighting um, uh, for us. And that then allows us to say, we're not going to see a very, we're not going to see any or a very, very small difference uh, between what we would experience with the broker distribution as we would experience internally. So therefore my product doesn't have to change in price. So let's talk about the brokers here. So you, um, there are, we've talked a number, you know, obviously this is the digital insurance point podcast and we have, you know, three of the leading digital brokers or modern brokers as, as Adam coined the phrase a little while ago. Um, not every broker is on that path, right? There are brokers who are far advanced, like the guys here, there are brokers who are, heading in that direction there are brokers who are not how important is it to your distribution model to you know the the end customer to your business that brokers are modernizing is it important or it's important to me because it's important to you and i put it that way um if you're asking me 
do I want to take CA insurance and go direct to consumer and have a bind online? No. But I do think that there's a strategy for you guys, for the brokers, to be digital because consumers want to talk and communicate and, and uh, interact with brokers in a multi-different way, whether that's digital online, digital communication, chat, uh, you know, interaction from documentation or uh, through being able to make a transaction or to call you guys and to talk to the human behind the, the machine. So I think consumers want to interact, and I'm going to say myself in that way, in such a different magnitude of ways um, at any given time. And, and it will change. It will change. And so I think you guys, the brokers, need to continue to facilitate that. I think being able to get to people digitally, because we're all living on our phones and our computers these days, so being able to get my attention that way, extremely important. Um, uh, you know, I, do I do ads and do I have digital content out there? Absolutely. And I think some of you may have seen the CA ads there recently, you know, we're occupying airspace, TV, you know, uh, through the internet, through social, social, uh, you know, optimization or social platforms, uh, you know, we're there, but actually you'll see my ads don't have any call to action. My ads are designed so that the customers go back to you, the broker and say, do you sell this product? This was really intriguing. Like maybe this company is good for me. And it's designed so that we specifically don't tell the customer, oh, call this number. We tell them there's a benefit here and we're different and we're unique and uh, you may want to actually go shopping. So are you just out of interest? Are you calling out other brands that also engage in a fairly heavy amount of uh, online and traditional advertising that have a specific call to action, which is to call them and you know maybe call the broker at some point? I would say there's a conflict there, um, and, and it's something, you know, and it's not that I don't do any direct marketing. I do do direct marketing for my direct channel, but we've actually evolved quite a bit uh, over over the last number of years to really make sure most of our marketing, if not almost all of it, is channel agnostic. And, and I think there's a conflict when you're trying to drive business to your direct channel, but also support your brokers under the same name and the same banner. There's a lot of brand hungry competitors and, and sort of partners to us that are out there really pushing hard on their brand. And if you land on any of their branded assets, it directs it a, away from uh, us. So it's not, it's not channel agnostic. It goes into their call center, their owned channels. Um, and, and then, and then, you know, some of those same brands get quite upset when you don't support their branding efforts, even though all of the funnel goes away from you. On this, and I know Adam and I have talked about this, but Portals is a perfect example, right? And and there's a company out there who, you know, if customers want to see their renewal, they drive them to their portal, right? They don't say go to the broker portal, or they don't say go to the broker. They say log into my company X portal, and that's how you're going to get it. And, and I think there was a point in time where brokers were given a choice of use the portal, or that's it. But um, you know, we don't we don't take that approach, right? We, we have created our our customer portal where yes, customers and usually the direct customers can go there, but we've allowed for the brokers to, and we want the brokers to keep the customers in their own, their own design uh, platforms. Uh, I don't want you, unless you need me to, I don't want you to actually send the customer to my portal. This is your customer. This remains in your platform. I need to be able to give you the, the data and the information or the, or or the, the policy information so that you can serve it up to your customers. Brokers have had apps and, and portals of their own for their customers for a longer period of time than insurers have. 
you know, our, our technology is more advanced some time ago, you know, so we already have a portal. Um, it's, and it's, it's a fact that when I, I got this right from Guidewire, it is cheaper to build an API into, into a broker's management system than it is to build a portal and maintain that portal on an ongoing basis. So one of the things that we do at C Insurance, or when we started C Insurance, um, we, we actually didn't have eDocs and upload download. Uh, our very first five brokers actually said to us in 2016, just give us Guidewire, give us access to Guidewire, we're good. We don't want, we don't want another portal, we don't need e And what we learned through 2017, 18 is actually brokers wanted us to have upload download, they wanted eDocs, they wanted all the integrations. So, so we had to build them because the journey for us was not just to give access to Guidewire, you know, that, that wasn't as um, friendly because it took people out of the BMS or brokers out of the BMS system wasn't as friendly as doing some of the upload download. So we, we did build the APIs and we built the integration to do the upload download edocs and uh, policy change. As a big supporter of brokers leveling tech technology for efficiency, you wouldn't be adverse to us trying to de develop our own technology to be more efficient in using it. Oh, not at all. No, no, that's and actually support and tell me how I can support you doing that. Well, robotic process automation comes to mind because, uh, you know, the, there's tools available now that we can leverage to sort of, I guess, MacGyver it. Until we have that API connectivity and stuff, we can leverage technology on our side to eliminate those key clicks that we're, we're unfortunately being forced to do in a multitude of portals. And, and we'd like to be able to leverage that. So I'm, I'm happy to hear you. You say that you're supportive of our yeah, assets. Yeah, I, I mean, I want brokers and, and your your house, your shop, and your strategy behind it. I, I'm, I, you know, I want you to be as efficient and uh, use technology to create efficiencies as much as possible. Um, you know, I think part of part of the processes and pieces that we're dealing with, and we see it from an underwriting perspective. Every single time we have a broker call in for authority, a lot of times we we ask like, "You have the authority. Why do you need to call in?" For, for this approval. And, uh, and most of the time the answer is, well, this is an internal process that we have to call to get an approval for this. And, you know, we, we talk to brokers and we talk to, you know, all of our partners about, you know, what can we do? So what can we do to enable you? Because we've given you the authority to make that decision. We've given you the authority. You don't need to call in for a reference code or whatever. I know you have your internal process, but what we can do, what can we do together to evolve that? Because you already have it. You don't, you don't need me to go, what do you want to do? Yes, we're okay with that. When you already have the approval and authority to do it. Um, and so what can I do to help you, whether that's technology, whether that's efficiency or process engineering, what robotic uh, process engineering, what can we do? 2018, um, we had a couple hundred thousand with CAA. It's had a 2200% growth rate as a book compared to our 170%, which is still a good, but like it's far out indexing us as a business and climbed over a number of other partners winning all kinds of business. So at this pace, you're going to be uh, bigger than intact in like three more years um, and be the market leader. So like a couple questions of how the heck did you do it? How did you pick a section of the market as uh, at least a new broker entrant you thought you could um, get some success in? And to, to what end? Like, how does the future look? Fantastic question. I'm going to try and unpack that a little bit in parts. Um, 
So, you know, we, we spend uh, a lot of time and, and before we launched our broker channel and, and partnered with brokers to really create a really strong segmented uh, pricing and risk strategy where we could, we could offer, you know, really the best drivers, really competitive rates and price the ones who we think have more risk and, and, and uh, you know, will lead to losses at different rates. And, and at points in time, people say, well, Matt, that, you know, this is this rate that you're offering to this driver is just so far out of the market. And, and that's, that's by design, right? We've, we've designed our, our pricing strategy to really be attractive for a, a, a very uh, good group of, of not only property, but auto drivers, ones that we have modeled out to not have losses and, and produce good and deserve the lower rates. And then, uh, and then Adam, we were very selective with our broker partners in that we picked really, we, we don't have thousands of broker partners. We don't have hundreds of broker partners. So, you know, I think in, in CA insurance, I have 150 across Canada, but I have very select and I'm not looking at growing to hundreds and thousands of broker partners. I, I want, I, we picked very select broker partners. One independence was a big piece for us. We could not be owned and run by other insurance companies in the competition. And two, we wanted partners who really understood how to, had a good underwriting shop, understood how to how to treat customers, and and really reflected the values of CA. Right, we're we're a very, if not the most trusted brand in Canada. It's come from a we have a long legacy and history of being that trusted company. And one of the things that we do for our brokers and for your insureds and and the clients is we live up to that trust. Right, we, we're going to be there for you, and through that trust, you then it comes with being transparent. It comes with being price savvy. It comes with being reasonable for there and, and only reflecting what we need as a company. And, and through COVID was a perfect example. You know, we were one of the first to give a rebate. We, we added on rebate checks. We brought our prices down and uh, we kept them down. And, and I'm going to say not only kept them down, even to, to through to 2022, when people said COVID is gone and driving has returned, we still had our prices down in, you know, COVID rate relief uh, arena. Um, and so, you know, we constantly look at how can we give back to consumers? How can we uh, give back to our partners? And how can we keep rates low for those good drivers and charge the ones who are causing the losses the appropriate rate for that? And, and we, we are constantly evolving that. It doesn't mean that every driver is never going to see a price increase. But what I mean by that is we're still going to always try and keep the lowest rates there for the best drivers. And we've done a great job. I have, I, I agree you've done a great job. I think it's taken the industry a bit by storm and it's taken competitors. And I've, I've not heard competitors talk about anyone else with as much focus as they currently look at and analyze CAA. From the outside, ill-informed or uninformed, I, I think it's a really interesting strategy where as a fresh to the broker market, you can come out and say, hey, I think there's extra margin in a few of these categories. And to steal our favorite Jeff Bezos quote is, you know, my competitor's margin is my opportunity. So you come out and you can start targeting people that have a 20-year record of not crashing, making the wager that they will continue to not crash, and they're quite good. And a bit of a sidebar, I, I love strategies that are, in hindsight, so obvious. Right? It was sitting right in front of us the whole time of if you find somebody with a 20-year trend line of not crashing, who cares what tickets they have? They likely won't crash next year. So they'll close that sidebar. I think that's great. This strategy also, I don't know a lot of people have talked about it, boxes out a lot of your competitors because if you have $500 million book of drivers um, where you're 
capturing some extra margin on it and you come in and start picking off one by one a reasonable margin and writing it, the only way for them to respond in the market because it's a regulated product is to hand back all of the premium and margin to all the other ones. So it's really handing them the gun and asking them what they want to do next while you get to build a clean sheet of paper, fresh book. Now, that's a bunch of compliments of things I think are really cool. I'll, I'll, I'll go on to the next side of what competitors talk about is that you know, these prices aren't sustainable, uh, you're not reserving enough, and these are hypothetical deductions they're making, but what are your responses to competitors and haters that have uh, something to say about all the growth you're having? Um, I would say keep thinking that, because uh, I'll keep taking your business, that's fine. Uh, um, so, you know, it's, I mean, there's different challenges facing different companies. Um, you know, if you're a publicly traded company, you have shareholders that you're accountable for, accountable for. And, you know, your shareholders, what your shareholders are looking at what your share value is. And the share value moves based on your market share, based on your bottom line, how much profit you're bringing in, you know, what, what size of the market, it, a number of factors. But I don't have those pressures. So, you know, if, if we want to give re relief and rebate because we don't need to make big margins during COVID years, I can do that. If I want to, if I say I made more than I thought and we want to give, we want to continue to give some of that back, we can do that. Um, our, our value is that we're there for customers, we're there for members, and that we can be sustainable through the growth and be there for our brokers over the period of time. I mean, we're a very solid organization. We have a, a great uh, parent company and, a, and a, a very good surplus at CA to sustain growth. Um, but I'm going to continue on with my pricing strategy. I'm going to continue on to price the higher risks at rates that I'm not attracting them. And I'm going to continue to, to, to provide uh, appropriate pricing and really competitive pricing to those, as Adam, you said, the 20-year the clean drivers there. I think that, you know, that, that's just an illustration of one segment. But, the you know, we're going to continue to do that. And if the marketplace doesn't want to compete with that and they think that I'm too cheap for that because I'm charging a smaller, I have a smaller margin than they do, I'm okay with that. I mean, that to me, then members and insureds that you guys are insuring are going to get a value by bringing that over to CAA. Well, you know, we've talked about how the vast majority of the non-insurance public out there who will buy insurance look at uh, auto insurance as a commodity, right? And when you are a rational person and you see a commodity, well, the rational thing is to get that for the cheapest price possible, right? So if you see a way to take a couple hundred bucks off of a thing that you probably think you're not going to use anyway, it's a super rational choice, but it's actually a really bad choice because people, this, ration, this rationality is commoditization actually is, you know, ends up with negative, negative outcomes um, and it's going to happen. Well, I mean, listen, I, I think most people, most people in our communities don't wake up every day and start thinking about their insurance policy and they don't, they don't look forward to talking about their insurance policy. I know we on this podcast, this, this podcast and the digital point love talking about insurance. We can talk about it all day long. But for the most part, most people don't love talking about their insurance policies. It's not something that when you go to a party, you start talking about DCPD coverage and you're the, you're the hit. You know, I, I hide behind Jeff and I go talk to Dr. Caesar over here and that makes me popular again. And, or I talk to Adam about golf, but nobody really wants to talk about their insurance auto policy. And so, you know, what, we, what people mainly do is go to you guys, the brokers, and say, tell me what to do. Give me advice. Explain this to me. But I trust you. Because I know Adam and I know Jeff and I know Steve and, and like I, I trust you guys. So give me the good advice. I'm going to tell you if I disagree, 
but I, I'm going to let you guys think about it for me. And if you guys think about it for me and give me the good advice, then I feel protected. The big thing is they don't talk about the coverage. They talk about the story. I was with such and such company. If somebody hit me, I didn't have any coverage. That's what gets told, right? And that's what can happen with DCPD. So you're banging the money. The CAA member app is pretty cool. Um, I locked keys in a rental car and uh, you get to watch the car, the tow truck coming to you and things. And like the the tech and innovation around the company is is just kind of cool. Yeah, we we've I mean we've built custom built at home and and you know from our our uh, our CEO down to our technology department um, uh, really kind of coded and custom built um, technology that is predictive predictive of where breakdowns are going to happen. It uses you know data inputs in, in hundreds of thousands of ways, but whether from weather I'm going to simplify it from weather to to traffic to where we see where we see roadside calls coming from and you know geography topographic information so there i'm just going to simplify it there's a lot of data inputs here that help us predict and watch like a control tower where we should not only have the tow trucks but where is the breakdown is going to happen and to jeff your point it also leads to where's the accidents going to occur and who's going to come into accidents and so we we are a very scientific and data-driven organization that uses it to to better not only ourselves from a, from our customer service perspective, but better the good that we can do for members. How do we how do we do more good? And some of that good is pricing, what Adam talked about. Some of it is the service we give, and so some of it is proactive measures. How do we get ready, you know, for a storm? How do we get ready for a cat? You know, what do we think the summer is going to look like from convective storm? So some of it is that predictions, but it's it's that proactiveness and that true member care. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I know I see it. I'm circling to it, but we are an organization that truly cares about our membership and our insureds, and really do everything we can to support that, including growing. And Adam, you're, to, you, I know you're going to coin me on. We'll keep taking your business, but the reason why I like keep taking your business is because I truly believe that we can, with that business, we can support them in ways that is not typical of insurance companies. We can we can give them added value. We can protect them. And at the end of the day, like our organization, we like to say this internally is that, um, you know, we're obsessed with member safety. And at the end of the day, we are all about creating a safer community, safer roads, safer environment and safety for insureds while they're driving. And so if we can do that, then we've accomplished our goal. Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS, we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers.